Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Tailgating. Tailgates. Yeah, tailgating's always a blast. Yeah! It's time to start your Raider football day with the morning tailgate with your hosts, Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, and Heidi Fang on Raider Nation Radio. Hello, good morning, and welcome to a Hip Hop Thursday edition of the Morning Tailgate. Good morning, everybody. Clay Baker here with you. Alongside me today, it's Vinnie Bonsignor, Heidi Fang. She's on assignment. She'll be back with us very, very soon as we got a great show lined up for you today. We will talk about Darren Waller's appearances on both Dan Patrick and Rich Eisen and what's in store for Darren Waller this season. 8 o'clock, we'll talk to Todd Dewey from the Las Vegas Review-Journal on the Raiders' odds in and around Southern Nevada and globally on not only the season, the proposition for season awards, and a whole lot more. We'll talk to Todd Dewey at 8 o'clock. 8.30, we'll talk to ESPN Raiders reporter Paul Gutierrez. We will talk to him at 8.30, 9 o'clock. Rich Ornberger, former Patriot and a host with Extra 1360 and with Fox Sports Radio. He'll join us at 9 o'clock. 69187 is the Sam and Ash text line. And you can reach us here on Twitter at r 920 am as always, and on the Realty One group listener line. That's 702-365-9200 on a beautiful and perfect Thursday. Vinny, good morning to you, sir. How are you? Good morning to you. Uh, doing great. Uh, it is a great morning. Thursday, the NBA draft is later tonight. One of the uh, one of the fun days on the uh, on the calendar. I'm, I'm, I'm checking this thing out. This uh, The Review Journal caught up with this um, a couple of days ago. But um, it, it's Brandon Staley, the Chargers uh, yeah. head coach. Um, and he was commenting on... <laughs> The infamous timeout uh, against the Raiders. Remember back in uh, that crazy game over at Allegiant Stadium to decide who was going to go to the playoffs and um, and some other decisions that he made in terms of the, the the philosophy on fourth down, going for it on fourth down, which basically cost. I don't care what anybody says, it cost the uh, Chargers uh, a game against the Chiefs. And and just listening to it's still. Heavy on his mind, heavy on uh, his heart, but I don't think he's going to change one iota. I think, um, and I, I think that there's coaching, and then there's being stubborn. And I think um, he has the um, uh, sort of the, the the makeup of being a little bit too stubborn for for my taste. It's funny because he, um, you know, as it was like a moment in time for him to go and be, you know, this coach that everyone expected him to be when he got to the Chargers. And then to push them into the promised land in the playoffs. But it was bad decision-making right. that that forced them out of the playoffs. The Chiefs game is one thing. And the Raiders is, is another. But for, for, the, for him to actually go and think like it was okay when you're on defense to call timeout to allow the Raiders to continue to assemble on offense and give them all the advantages they needed in overtime at home. And now looking at it, 
it's almost as if he's in denial that there was any problems in that decision making. It's like, no, no, that's uh, that's what that was, that decision was on the card. Uh, we 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 measured that out very well. But also, it's almost like I am not going to ever say I'm wrong because I need as much faith and trust in the system, and they need to trust me. So. Uh, we're going to continue to make these kind of decisions yeah. and, and never look back in anger. Yeah, and um, uh, we, we ran a story over at the Review Journal. It was written by Dylan Hernandez, my good friend, uh, over at the Los Angeles Times. We're going to have to get uh, Dylan uh, onto the show to talk about this because knowing Dylan, um, he's probably rolling his eyes even right now out of out of some of the things that, that Brandon Staley said. And right at the top of the story, talking about specifically that timeout when they called the timeout uh, on, on defense against the Raiders, I'm not sure why that got magnified, was Staley's quote. I'm not sure why that got I'm magnified. I'm not sure why that got magnified. Weren't you sitting like in the offseason after the, the season was over and just pondering decisions like good, bad, what you could have done differently? Well, yeah, you have to magnify it because that's all that anyone remembers. It was a big, di- it was, <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure why it got magnified. It was. As Dylan, I thought, rightfully uh, wrote, um, five months after he called the most infamous timeout in franchise history, Brandon Staley was as puzzled as everyone else. He wasn't just, he wasn't, he just wasn't asking the same question. I'm not sure why it got magnified. I think the question was, why did you call that timeout right there? And then he later said, Brandon Staley uh, later said, um, you know, I'm not over it. Now, we're talking about this because we're going to have Rich Ornberger, um, who is uh, intimately knowledgeable of the of the Chargers. Um, he's, he's very opinionated on it. Yeah, exactly. And I want to. I can't wait. I, I you know I've I've talked to Rich a lot, and it's so weird as I recollect our conversations and I go on his show from time to time down there in San Diego. Like, I, I want to get his thoughts on 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 Staley and sort of the stubbornness that he's uh, beginning to, to some of the you know uh, stubborn tendor, uh, tendencies. Sorry about that, guys. Um, and he said, look, I wanted to create a fearlessness among our team, and that kind of explains the going for it on fourth downs continually. Uh, but there comes a point in time where you got to do the math and you got to look at the situation and you got to look at the game. It's not just building a mindset. You're trying to win a game. And that, that loss to the Chiefs, coupled, I want to say, a week later with a loss to the Houston Texans, which there could have been a carry, you know, hangover effect in that game. They should have never lost to Houston. Yes, those two losses literally mm-hmm. opened the door for the Raiders. I remember thinking, okay, there's an opportunity, and I want to say that the the the, the, the Raiders beat the Browns that week uh, after the Chiefs game, and then it just it, it yeah, opened it, a huge door. Yeah, and Davis Mills like uh, found like uh, gold uh, right. throwing it at will. I mean, having a career game against the Chargers, who were like you know they were mounting an attack. They looked very strong. In fact, they had the easiest schedule. Out of all the, the Chargers uh, did right, yeah. Out yeah. of all the prospective playoff teams towards the end of the year, yeah, and uh, it just shows you that you know things look one way on paper, but you still have to go play the games. And decision making is really important. I think Brandon Saley has a chance to be a really good uh, head coach, but um, I'm a little bit if I if I, I'm, a, I'm a Chargers fan, um, I'm a little bit wary of some of the things that he's saying. Like no, not even a uh, a hint of you know. Maybe I handled that uh, incorrectly. Maybe that's something that I'll learn from. And if the same exact situation comes up again, I might handle it a little bit differently. That would be refreshing, even if you're just saying that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, even if you're just um, at least putting that possibility out there. But just to basically say, no, I don't think anything that we did was wrong. I wonder if the only thing that would be the saving grace is if, and I probably have to go back and just see, like, maybe on all 11, 
if there was a problem with their defense where guys, because everyone was starting to get very gassed on defense on both sides. I was gassed and, in the press box. Oh, uh, yeah. People were like, there was nothing left. People were dehydrated. They were right. like, they, they, they were exasperated. And you're watching a, a, a maybe a defense that needed substitution or something had happened. And, Definitely. and maybe he doesn't want to go and call some player out specifically. But either way. To go and say, like, you know, you have to answer for the reason of, like, why did we call the timeout there? And will you do it again? Right. I think that's people want to know, like, are you going to make these same decisions again? Because that means now we can't trust you because you're not rationally thinking this out. And funny, it's like the, the over the years, the Chargers have been beset by stubbornness in their coaches. And you, you, you'd see a lot of guys making crazy decisions. Maybe, you know, I, at least Marty Schottenheimer was successful with his stubbornness, but North Turner, Mike McCoy, you know, guys that would never, ever admit that they were wrong once, not once. The first year that the uh, Chargers were in Los Angeles, um, their first game was against the Denver Broncos in, in Colorado. So I go, out to, I go out to Denver, and it's on a Monday night, and uh, I go up to uh, Dean Spanos, the owner's uh, box, right, just to visit with him. You're, hey, it's your first game, you know, uh, as the Los Angeles Chargers, et cetera, et cetera. And, he's, and I ask him, what do you think about your football team, blah, blah, blah. This is right before the game. <laughs> and uh, he says to me, he goes, I think we're pretty good. He goes, gosh, if we could just get over those kicking uh, woes. The, you know, if that, it's that kicker, you know, if because the, the Chargers, among other things, have always been known for kind of kicking Ooh. themselves in the foot. Woo! I mean, you'd have great kickers all year long, and then when you need them, it's wide right, wide left. The kicker not only missed a, 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 an easy game. I think I want to say it was a game-winning field goal, <laughs> uh, but twice, like they like they called the time. It was it was one of those weird situations at the end of the game, and I'm just writing my story going, and great. all I'm hearing in my head is if I, I'm just just. As long as that kicker does his job, you know, if we could avoid that <laughs> season opener, first game of the year, and uh, the kicker blew it. And it was just like, here we go again for the Chargers. So, uh, yeah, if, there's the, – go ahead. If you ask Spanos another question, like, all right, so this year, you know, yeah. like, what would you like to see? What do you think will come out of his mouth this time around? Uh, because he got close to seeing what a young quarterback could go and do and put their team further ahead, but – uh, they just did not look like they were prepared enough for that moment. And I wonder if he would maybe start to think of, like, I need a more stable environment around Justin Herbert and guys that I know are going to help him make, you know, put the team in the in the best position to win. Yeah, I think he feels pretty good about Brandon Staley overall. Um, I I, uh, I would, too, if I was, you know, if I was a charge. I just think that there's a little bit, a little bit less um using moments in a game to build something bigger you know like this fearlessness and this mindset there's just certain times during the course of a game where what's the best option here to win the football game not send a message not build some big huge uh persona or 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 mindset got to win this game need 3 points right here i obviously everybody wants touchdowns when you get into that part, part of the field but when in that situation in the chiefs i want to say they were they were ahead it was going into the um you know uh the end of the first half just kick the field goal get the get the points uh, go uh, collect yourselves at, at halftime and come out and play another you know good solid uh, uh, second half uh, but the thing with the with the Chargers is, and I remember Lincoln Lincoln, you know, when when he was on on, on my show uh, in the huddle, you know, obviously he's an AFC, he's a Raider guy, so uh, he hates the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Broncos. Uh, we all understand that, but there was a special kind of a sort of I don't even know what the word is for the Chargers because everyone always talks up the Chargers. They're always the most talented team on paper. You know, this is going to be the Chargers year, but there's always some sort of calamity that uh, affects them, and it's like. <laughs> 
it's weird stuff usually. The kicker, you know, they've they've had seasons lost because they couldn't kick an extra point, uh, or you know, it all fell apart uh, in that regard. Injuries, of course, but they they just always find a way to kind of kick themselves uh, in the foot. And you look at the Chargers and their quarterbacks over the years; they went from Dan Fouts to. Um, you know, Stan Humphreys was a pretty decent quarterback there. They went to the Super Bowl hey, with Stan Humphreys. Ninety four, they got to the Super Bowl. To Phillip Rivers. They also had Drew Brees in the in the middle of all that. Yeah, Ryan um, Leaf. Yeah. Yep. We'll, we'll 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 give him a pass on the Ryan Leaf because I'm you know, and then now they've got Herbert. They've done pretty good when it comes to quarterbacks. Like like they they've they've stumbled into it somehow, some way. An embarrassment of riches with yes, the quarterbacks. But they haven't been able to maximize it. <laughs> they they sit there and it's almost like you would see those games where they would have Ladanian Tomlinson and Phillip Rivers just coasting down the field, having a great time. Uh and then uh for some reason somewhere in the third quarter, fourth quarter, they would uh they would have these big lapses where they would make big plays in between the twenties but never capitalize, you know, when they could score. And they left so many points on the field that you know they would never be in in like any real semblance of like this is what we need to fix and we have to make this a real priority of how to fix this going forward they just kept feeling like you know what as long as antonio gates keeps catching touchdowns and rivers throws for 300 we're going to be in a good spot yeah and there's been there's been some uh some some weirdness uh, along the way and and if you're a raider fan it's so it's so uh, crazy when you think about the history between the raiders uh and and the chargers the raiders just have always had that sort of edge Somehow, some the mental edge, um, the good luck, whatever it is, because you look at the when the Raiders won the Super Bowl uh, in in what nineteen seventy nine, nineteen eighty that that you know when mm-hmm. when they beat the Philadelphia Eagles, they they lost I think twice to the Chargers in the regular season, and um, they go they had to they were a wild card team. They had to go to San Diego in the AFC Championship game. San Diego is ready to just have a big party. We're finally going to beat the Raiders in a big game and go to the Super Bowl. And the Raiders knock them off. You know uh, that it, it sort of reminded me of last year. Um, that that last you know game. I think a lot of people. I think most mm-hmm. pundits probably thought that the Chargers were going to win that game. You know they they just and and I was like eh, I don't know. You know I felt I felt good about where the Raiders were at that point. Uh, they were they were home. You knew it was going to be uh, just a tremendous scene at Allegiant Stadium. But sometimes there's there's just something. I don't know what it is. Uh, karma, I, you know, whatever. There's some outside sources, outside powers uh, that that play into certain things like that. I just feel like the Raiders have always had the Chargers number in that regard. And they do, and it's uh, it's, it's funny. We'll talk to Rich Ornberger at yeah. nine o'clock about that and kind of relive that moment because uh, that month of December, the Chargers did beat the Bengals. You know, in Cincinnati. I know. Yeah, yeah that was so, the one game you thought they might lose. Right, the one game you thought they would like deter their season. It didn't do it at all until they face the Raiders. So we'll get into more of that throughout the show, but that, that, that was hilarious. The Dylan Hernandez story is very funny. We'll get Dylan. Because uh, Brandon Staley continues to think that nothing to see here, I made the right decisions, and you can trust me, have your 100% faith, and we see this on, <laughs> right, exactly. on Twitter. Fabian writes in from uh, Raiders 2K, says, uh, as JT the Brick said, the boy blunder blew it, and he <laughs> and the Chargers and Charger fans still can't accept it, period. Well said, Fabian. Let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Darren Waller uh, making the rounds on Dan Patrick and Rich, Rich Eisen. We want to play a couple cuts uh, from both of those interviews. Some really telling, beautiful stuff that's coming out from Darren Waller. All that and more here on Raider Nation Radio. Hit up the show on Twitter at Clay Baker Radio. And now back to the morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Here is Carr back between the hash and fires over to the right-hand side. Got the first down. He hit Darren Waller, the tight end. First time he's targeted, 
and it's a big play for Darren Waller all the way to the Bears 40-yard line. Carr back into the gun. The backfield is empty. Takes a snap. Fires on a cross. Spin. Jackpot, baby! Vegas touchdown! Carr to Darren Waller! with the call. Compass Media coming back. It's the morning tailgate. Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor here with you on this beautiful and perfect Thursday. As uh, you know, we uh, we love to see Darren Waller getting out there and able to make uh, you know as many interviews as he can because we love his message. I think everyone is inspired by the kind of career he's had, but also the kind of man he's become. And I I love it when earlier this week. You know, because he's got a podcast out called Comeback Stories, appropriately named. But he's also able to go and immediately go on Dan Patrick's show, Rich Eisen's show. And I love that. And I think Raider Nation loves that, too, because, you know, they see in Darren Waller, uh, you know, a superstar that's, you know, coming onto the scene and somebody that people now not only respect, but they admire. Yeah, uh, absolutely re- uh, admire, uh, is inspired by. Um, I remember when he came on our, our show um, a couple months ago or so, uh, I read him a letter that I had gotten. Um, because we had promoted the the interview, and uh, and and somebody emailed me saying, "Please express this to Darren Waller," and it was just about how Darren Waller uh, inspires him. And oh, I read that great. to Darren, um, you know, uh, at the start of the interview, and he's like, he, it's, "It's for him." That blows him away that that he has become that sort of a uh, of an inspiration for people, and 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 truly and honestly. Uh, it all comes from his honesty and his openness about the struggles that he's gone through um, and continues to to fight through uh, to this day. He's been very transparent and very honest uh, about everything. Uh, there's no real question that you can't ask uh, Darren Waller, and he's always going to have a uh, thoughtful, insightful uh, answer and an honest answer. That's that's the um, that's what I think resonates with people. They they they. Um, Respect the story, appreciate you know everything that he's gone through and continues to fight through, but also his honesty about it. Yeah, and I think that's the it's the honesty that sometimes gets you through. And like, uh, it's an old saying that the uh, the truth will set you free. You know, anything that you're trying to hold back on, it's going to weigh you down. And Darren Waller takes um, a, a moment where when he goes on certain interviews and Dan Patrick is going to open them up. And, you know, if you go on DP show, Dan's going to be like, well, what can I talk about? I want to talk about everything. Right. And uh, they got very personal in their conversation. Not only did they talk about, you know, Darren's podcast, comeback stories, but they also, you know, Darren wants to know, like, you know, and he wants everyone to know, like, I'm going to be open about what my past was. I'm not going to hide it or sugarcoat it because it's going to tell you that if I'm relating to you, if you're listening to that out there, Trust me, you can you can fight the demons. You can end you know the addictions. You can start your life anew. And even uh, for a guy like Dan Patrick, who wanted to kind of get like maybe like a where did all this started with your drug use? When when was the first time you started to take drugs? Because maybe we could start finding like a pattern here for other people, so maybe they could stop as well. This is Darren Waller from Dan Patrick on Monday. Uh, yeah, I do. I was fifteen. Some of my friend, some friends I had had. Uh you know, they were taking pills out of their parents' medicine cabinets. And uh, I was over there hanging out, and they were, I was told it would make me feel good. And, you know, at that time, you know, I was just kind of lost as 
a kid trying to find my identity and where I fit in and what I was about. So I was willing to try it. And then, you know, it was off to the races from there. What did it make you feel like? Um, it just anxiety went away. Um, I felt a sense of calm that I never really felt before. Uh, everything just kind of quieted down inside of me. And that's all that I wanted. Was Darren Waller from earlier this week, and there's a couple more, but you know, you get the sense of somebody that is comfortable talking about not only like you know the 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 bad stuff that's happened to me, because there's a good story at the end of it, because there's always hard work and dreams that go along with erasing the past that you may have created for yourself. Those were bad choices then, but look what happens when you start making the right choices. Yeah, and um, I've always felt like uh, all of us, every one of us, uh, until our very last breath that we take. Uh, we, we, you always have a chance uh, and an opportunity to really hit the reset button and, and create uh, and carve out a better path uh, for you. I remember talking to Darren about, um, you know, what, what, what's also important about that is, especially for parents, um, you know, the telltale signs that, that you need to be aware of with your kids about what they might be going through because you know not everyone is 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 forthcoming obviously you're hiding something when you're in that when you're uh, experiencing the type of pain internal pain uh, that Darren was going through at 15 years old he's not probably run into his mom or dad or anybody really to express it first of all mm-hmm. at 15 we don't really know necessarily how to express ourselves, especially when it comes to something as deep as that. Uh, and oftentimes it requires somebody that's around you, a parent, a brother, uh, a friend, to pick up on certain signals uh, that make you aware that, hey, something might be wrong here. And I remember talking to him about that, like, what should parents be looking for? You know, and and just the quietness, the, you know, trying to the alone time, um, you know, the retreating to to your room sometimes and, and not being, um, you know, communicative uh, with the people around you, like simple things like that are, are signs that parents need to be aware of. And one other thing that I, always strikes me when I talk to Darren about this is, um, the importance of when, when somebody does come to you with an issue, mm-hmm. with a problem, uh, with pain that they're going through, don't automatically think that they're looking for you to be the savior, for you to be the problem fixer. And he was, he's very adamant about this. So was Solomon Thomas. Um, and he's very, very big on mental health and uh, mental illness and, and, and the importance of people just listening sometimes. Yes, listening. Just listen. Don't try to solve the problem. That's not necessarily what they're looking for at that point. Sometimes they just want a, a willing listener. And somebody also, lastly, that I'm going to say is not to judge them. Like, you know, um, in, 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 uh, for, for men, let's just say for men. Um, you know, mental illness and expressing a weakness, expressing vulnerability can often be looked at as a weakness by those that were expressing that too. And so that forces sometimes people to suppress it. That's why they suppress it. They don't want to be looked at as a weak person or come on, man, you're a man, tough it out, you know, get through it. And, and, and there's a stigma to it. And we, as, uh, parents, as brothers, as friends, um, need to understand that, we all experience stuff, and expressing yourself is actually a strength, not a weakness. And so don't judge uh, that and allow them to express themselves without critique, uh, without putting pressure on them as saying, you know, uh, oh, you're a weak person or, you know, that's not a manly thing to say. Enough with that nonsense, you know, because that, exp- that it, it just, it just um, 
it, it doubly uh, it, it makes it doubly worse, like triply worse oh, when yes. when when you're afraid when somebody's afraid to express themselves because of that kind of response. Oh, it is. It compounds a problem because you feel like you don't have any outlet to express yourself at all. In fact, you're not even sure if that's even going to give you power because you're so young. You're not even ready for you know experiencing like. If I trust somebody to just listen, right. and it's funny because you know, and, and men are like this. Uh, we, typical males, we want to fix everything. We're, we have to be like the problem solvers, we, right? Yes. And when we hear somebody that that, that is a need, I, th- I think instead of listening, we're always thinking of like, what's the next step to help right. them? Right. You know, we're trying to come in in our own way, but what we really need to do is just sit and listen. Yes. Because there needs to be a conversation about this. And it is. It's a noble thing. We get it. We understand. It. Like you said, we're problem solvers. But that's not what the problem sometimes requires, especially at that stage of it. So just be aware and listen to people like Solomon Thomas. Listen to people that, like Darren Waller, especially Darren Waller, who's been through it. He has experienced the pain we're, we're talking about. He has experienced the vulnerability um, and, and, and the self-doubt and all of those things that sort of cause you to retreat and to go down a, uh, a a bad and negative path, he's been through that. So he knows what people in that position are really looking for from a friend, from a parent, from a spouse, from whatever, uh, whoever we're talking about that's close to that person. Just please listen to his message. He's always got a lot to say. And I'm sure on this interview with Dan Patrick, he expressed a lot of that. He did. And even Dan went further um, after learning about the, where did the early drug abuse begin. And then he asked him, did you ever play a game high? Yeah. I remember, yeah, I remember uh, games where, you know, I don't know, I was just, like, so uninspired and just with life itself, like, it'd be, like, cocaine sometimes. It'd just be, like, I remember times when Silent would be, like, yawning and just not there, just not into anything, not feeling any kind of, you know, fire for life. So it was, like, yeah, I, I needed that to just, like, you know, make the experience more of what I wanted it to be, I guess. You were bored? Yeah, I had no desire. I mean, I just had no desire to play football because football became a people-pleasing tool after high school. It wasn't like the game that I enjoyed when I grew up. It was just like all I saw was pressure. All I saw was politics. All I saw was uh, me needing to perform instead of just going out there and just enjoying what I do with people that I enjoy being around. As great as he is now, and perhaps even back then, it still wasn't enough for him to find any joy in what he was doing. Well, it wasn't just that it wasn't enough. It was um, what he was perceiving football being in his life, uh, and it was a, it was a pressure packed situation. He was he felt like he was doing it only to please others. Like like he wasn't getting the um, uh, the get back from it. He wasn't getting the satisfaction. It, it felt like everyone else was. Um, in on that for that particular reason, and he wasn't getting any of that. In fact, all he was really getting was the pressure that he felt to play, to to live up to other people's expectations. Some people can handle that, um, you know, much better than than others. We're all wired a little bit differently. That's the other uh, a part of this. And and you know, in in his eyes, football became a burden. And you know, I see this a lot. Um, not everybody is. You know, we have fans and whatnot that are just living and dying with everything, and I get it and I understand it. But you have to sometimes understand the people that are actually doing it. Sometimes it's a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a That's way right. to get out. Sometimes, as he was talking about, it's a way to please people. You're thinking of it from from that perspective. It's not always for this 
unabashed lo- love of the game and passion for the game. Not everybody feels that way about even their job. You know, anyone that gets up and goes to work at some level, that is what that is, is a job. Uh, and and you learn, especially at the high level of a guy like Darren Waller or, or somebody that's in that position when they're like really good in high school, it, 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 it ends up becoming, it's almost expressed to you this is a means to an end. This is a way to get out. This is a way to make a lot of money, and this is, could be your profession. And all of a sudden, it goes from being fun to something much more than that. Not everybody is able to handle that, especially at that age. And what is the end game for a lot of us? Is it uh, is it just to work? Is it just to survive? Or is it to start, you know, uh, you know, finding personal joy, but also spreading that around and trying to make you know the world a better place? And I think that's Darren's message now. And I think even. Even to him, as he joined the Rich Eisen show, more or less the same day, he expressed the joy that he's starting to see on the Raiders team right now. And as he's starting to go through this new evolution with Josh McDaniels at the helm, this is Darren Waller with uh, Rich Eisen. And Rich asked him the question, what's it like to watch Devontae practice? And I love the answer here because many times when people will ask other teammates of Darren Waller, hey, what's it like you know, playing with Darren Waller? And they always bring up like, uh, I love watching him practice. I love how he maintains himself throughout you know, the course of the season because uh, I watch him and try to model it so I can get better. This is what Darren Waller said about watching you know, Devontae Adams practice in a Raiders uniform. Devontae, Devontae Adams is probably the smoothest mover on the football field I've ever seen in my life, you know. Just, I don't even know how to describe it. You know, it's not like over the top, like freakiness where he does have explosion and quickness, but it's just like, I don't know, man. It's like nobody can really dictate the pace at which he moves. He, he moves how he moves, and everybody else just has to, you know, get with the program. But yeah, just watching him release and move through his route so fluidly I've, I've never seen anything like why because yeah, he never talks he he's impressed with what he sees already but i think he's been he's on a team now that he sees somebody that not only is naturally gifted but also works hard getting there too yeah um but uh, I'm, I'm listening to darren uh say i'm i'm, I'm almost jealous of, of how he worded that because yeah. as a writer <laughs> i want to capture exactly what he just said about Devonte adams if we could divert here for one second uh, and he obviously sees it, um, you know, seeing him now on the practice field every day. Uh, he, there's no doubt that De- Devontae Adams uh, has worked extremely hard and continues to work extremely hard, um, you know, at his craft. You don't get to this point without that work ethic and um, and maintaining it especially. But, man, Darren was right. Like, there's something about Devontae Adams that's just ordained from some other power, which he's obviously um, – you know, accentuated and capitalized and taking it to uh, the highest level. But there's the way he is able to move on a football field. And I, I, I've done a lot of wa- uh, film watch uh, on, on Devontae Adams. It's just something spectacular. If you were to put it, like he talked about smooth. I was thinking about Michael Jackson, how he was able to just move and dance and, and do things that are like the, mm-hmm. the rest of us can't do. <laughs> when you watch Devontae Adams on the, on the football field, this is what makes him sp- so spectacular. I didn't really realize that until he came to the Raiders and I started, all right, what's the deal on Devontae Adams? I see all the numbers. I've obviously seen him play, but I've never taken a deep dive into Devontae Adams. But once you do, and I urge fans to do this, go to YouTube and watch him from beginning to end on patterns and uh, you know at the line of scrimmage. He's just an unbelievable football player, and I can't wait for Raider fans 
to see that and be able to appreciate it on a week-to-week basis. He's spectacular. It's spectacular. And you see if you can go and put all these superpowers together. Right. Now what do you have? Because they you you got a group of people that really love football and are hungry to win and go even further. And even Rich Eisen goes so far to say, like, all right, uh, with uh, you know Carr and Adams having this great relationship, that's not going to affect your numbers, right? I mean, I haven't even had to do it because he, he's, he's uh, putting it up there to everybody, man. Like, you know, Devontae mm-hmm. getting his, and then it's like you see the de- the defense will, you know, kind of shift who they're focusing on from day to day. And it's like, all right, well, focus on me, put it up to Tay. They focus on Tay, but it's me or Hunter's over the middle, just wiggling around, making people look stupid. So it's it's been, it's been very fun so far, and I'm excited to see you know, how it continues to take place over time. And how does John... See, he, he loves it. I, you can hear it that it's fun so far, that he can see what the what is in store for this offense. And I think that, you know, they can they can see that this is getting to be explosive. Like, they can see that big-time explosive plays are going to happen, and it's all going to capitalize with scoring touchdowns, and you're going to start winning games. This offense is going to be better than most people realize. Do you remember the Phoenix Suns uh, with Mike D'Antoni and, and those guys? Oh, yeah. When they came upon the scene, nobody had any clue of how to guard that team right and the key as it always has been uh was the point guard uh, a guy by the name of steve nash and when i look at Derek carr i kind of look at i i kind of see a steve nash john stockton uh, mentality yeah. when it comes to the quarterback position and that's why i have no I, I have no qualms i don't i don't think for a second anyone's not going to get theirs uh you know uh not only because of the system but because of the mentality of the quarterback uh, he's not going to get locked in on just one guy. Sometimes you have to do that, you know, because the talent is it, – it dictates that. But with more talent around him, much like Steve Nash when on those Suns teams that were unstoppable because he was getting the ball to everybody where they needed it. And they, he had a lot of weapons, obviously. Those those were some really fun Phoenix Suns teams. Um, but I think that the mentality that, that Derek Carr has, that point guard mentality, um, you're going to see the ball get where it needs to get on time as well uh, to a whole bunch of really good uh, playmakers, and it's going to put so much pressure on opposing defenses. Last one from Waller. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really everywhere. You know, i got to be on the P's and Q's uh, as far as the book is concerned because it's inside, outside, single, by yourself, you know, in a trips formation, so it's like, Pretty much everywhere. I'm excited about the challenge that it presents because, you know, it makes it harder for people to really know where you're going to be at. So he's diversifying your game in a way that it has not been in in your in your tenure there in Vegas? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, they're bringing new things to the table for sure. Um, I've done a lot of things under, under Coach Gruden, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's been very helpful. And they're asking us to do even more things. So it's just just add more to the bag and uh, gives us more opportunities to get open when you know defenses are going to be looking for you. I think they could place Darren Waller anywhere on the field, and he's going to have big-time explosive plays. And whether whether he, and he brought it up, whether it's trips formation, whether I'm inside or outside, I'm getting the ball, and there's going to be major explosive plays happening because uh, we have some great synergy right now. But I also think it's like maybe like a, uh, I don't want to overuse the word evolution, but an evolution of what they were trying to do in the Gruden offense, but now it's going even much further. So you've got a, a group of very smart guys that are trying to get better, and now they're starting to see kind of like the fruits of their labor. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and I've talked to a lot of people in the NFL who, uh, who have always reminded me got to give John Gruden a lot of credit uh, in that 2019 season because if you think about it 
That was Antonio Brown was supposed to be uh, right. the the big wide receiver. That was Devontae <laughs> Adams, okay? And we all know what happened, all right? Yeah. And John Gruden, and this is what good coaches do, whether you want to give them credit for this or not. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the fans. Uh, but you better, you should. If you're a football, if you understand football, you got to give them credit for understanding like, oh, my gosh. Well, that just blew up. Uh, we got to figure out a different way to do it. And there's number eighty-three. Um, and and if you look at if you look at uh, John Gruden's offenses, he's never really gone through the tight end. Like, but they he he said that's our best player. We got to go through him. This offense basically has to go through him. And that was the explosion year for for uh, for um, uh, Darren Waller. He exploded onto the scene, and some of that was out of necessity because. The offense was going to go through Antonio Brown. That was the plan. That was the key, and it would have been interesting to see if his head was screwed on right, <laughs> yes. where that could have gone. But they had to adjust on the fly, like literally on the fly. It changed the whole thing, and the offense then went through the tight end by the name of Darren Waller, and a star was born. It was an incredible year, and Darren Waller, you know, coming out there, uh, 117 targets, 1,145 yards, uh, touches galore. I mean, huge understanding that he was one of the great mismatches in the league. Nobody could cover a tight end that was 6'5 and ran that fast. Right, exactly. And uh, nobody knew who he was. <laughs> nobody <laughs> knew who he was. I was just on a podcast yesterday. It's it's such a marvel of a story uh, and, and just uh, reminds you of always why you have to always pay attention and, and you got to give Greg Olson a lot of credit. He he basically discovered Darren Waller, the former offensive coordinator for the Raiders, uh, in Baltimore toward the end of the 2018 season or somewhere in, in 2018 and he was down on the field way before the game even started uh, watching some of the younger players get their work in and and he kept looking at this dude, who's this guy? Darren Waller who was on the, on, on the Ravens <laughs> practice squad or at the end of their bench, whatever the case might be. And he was just like, who is this guy? Like, we, we don't have anybody that looks like that. Right. Like, this is this guy. Who is this guy? So on the plane ride back home uh, to, to Oakland, um, you know, uh, after doing a little bit of homework, he sits next to John Gruden and says, Coach, I'm just telling you, man, there was this dude for the Ravens. I don't know how we could get our hands on him, but this guy is somebody that we don't have. This guy is – there's something there. And that's not long after the Raiders plucked him off their practice squad, the Ravens' practice squad, no, a, a move that nobody was paying attention to. Nobody really, to, to my knowledge anyway, yeah. it didn't cause that's any right. ripples or any. He was on the practice squad for the Ravens, for crying out loud. Uh, but Greg Olson deserves all the credit in the world for being alert enough on that day uh, in, in Baltimore, early outs, you know, guys that may not ever, you may not ever see a roster or, or you know, might be, uh, you know, selling insurance by now. You know, some of those guys are, that were on that field at that point in time uh, have got, moved on in their careers. And he was astute a, a enough to say, that's somebody that we should probably give a flyer to. It'll go down as one of the great transactions in recent memory for the Raiders. And uh, we'll step aside real quick. And uh, we, we'll pop on with uh, Heidi Fang. She's on assignment. She's off today and tomorrow. But we'll get in touch with her and just get her thoughts because she's interviewed Darren before. And where this guy has gone and where it can go, as well as Todd Dewey will join us at 8 o'clock from the RJ. All that and more here on Raider Nation Radio. It's Vinny and Clay on your the grill is still sizzling and the drinks are cold. So let's get back to your morning tailgate with Clay Baker on RNR 920 AM. It's done for a bit. Uh, I don't, I don't really dwell too much uh, in losses for a while. You take what you, what you learn from it for us. It's uh, you know, red zone execution on offense 
and uh, we got to be able to do that. So learn that lesson and try not to wallow in it and have self-pity and just move on. Gary Waller from the Dan Patrick Show back here on Raider Nation Radio. It's the morning tailgate. Vinny Bonsignor, Clay Baker, and Heidi Fang. She's here with us on the phone. Heidi's on assignment. And uh, we wanted to get your thoughts, though, because we uh, we would love having you on. Good morning to you. How are you? I'm good. Missing you guys in the studio. I, know. I, know. I missed Freestyle Wednesday, and I'm a little disappointed in myself. And I'm disappointed, too, because there wasn't enough Lisa Lisa in the cult jam uh, on Wednesdays for my liking. But uh, you know what? We uh, we were playing some greatly great stuff from uh, Darren Waller this week, and I know you heard some of the audio. It was with Dan Patrick and Rich Eisen. Such an honest uh, evaluation of himself. He's also trying to promote his own podcast, Comeback Stories, which I'm looking forward to listening to, because uh, Darren's got a great story to tell, but you've uh, had a chance to talk to him before. What, what, what were you able to make out of somebody who's so honest, looking back at their own history, because he knows that he's put that in the rear view but he's also been able to learn from those lessons to make sure that they don't happen again oh absolutely and he's become this pillar to the community to people who are also struggling like the thing i think i've told you this before but in case there's you know people and i know i don't know if any heard this story before we were at the landmark recovery center and he's uh, done grants there so people can apply for grants that are going through uh, hardship that want to go to recovery, that believe they're ready to take that step for recovery, and they haven't been able to find a route or an avenue to be able to do so, Darren Waller has opened up this uh, grant program. They have to, like, write about their struggle, their problem, or uh, I I think it was some type of interview they had to do. And then they go in, and then he grants them a stay for the recovery. I think he took care of five people last year, and then we went back in, and we heard their stories. And when you heard the stories of those people, it's so compelling what he's done to change their lives. There was a young mother involved. There was a, a kid who came all the way from Texas that said he spent, like, almost a longer on a bender that he thought he was never going to come out on because he was in such a nosedive. And he said he was emaciated and thought he was going to die. And he said Darren Waller saved his life. So when you hear those things about what he's been able to do with the community, with the staying true to it, and how he meditates for every time he goes out before a game, every day before he goes to practice, to be able to keep in mind what he thought out to do in this second life that he's had. Because remember, he OD'd off of fentanyl back in, you know, what, 2018, I believe it oh, was. Man. And so to hear the, how he's come back from all of this. It's just, it's amazing the story and the path that Darren Waller's put himself on to become the athlete that he is and how we know him today. You know, Heidi, um, uh, there's there's something really beautiful about uh, uh, what Darren Waller has been able to, uh, to do because in so many ways when you watch him on a football field, uh, how big he is, how fast he is, how good he is, there's a super superhero um, element to him that the average person, myself, uh, Clay, yourself, you know, there's there's nothing relatable to that for us. Do you know what I'm saying? He's so good um, as, as a football player that there's a superhuman element to it. Yet, mm-hmm. yet, mm-hmm. what Darren Waller has been able to do in such a beautiful and profound way is be relatable to people. Like, there's, I don't think there's anybody on that Raider team, especially among the stars, that people can relate to more than Darren Waller. There's a human connection that he's been able to create with the fan base uh, and people all over the world just simply by being 
a human being and honest uh, and frank about the things that he's dealt with and the things that he's continued to deal with. Uh, to me, um, how does he balance that line? And 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 uh, do you feel kind of the same way? Yeah, I definitely do feel the same way. And I like when he came into the media room this year uh, during OTAs, and he said to us that you know, some people are leaders like Ray Lewis, but I'm not that type of leader, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you see that through just his being and the way that he carries himself on the field. I do think there's definitely a superhero element just because there's very few people who can separate themselves, especially as Titans, and be elite like he has been. I mean, the way that they've utilized him on the field, it's really unique to what we've seen out of a lot of different players. Uh, it's almost like he's a wide receiver out there at times. But when you uh, think about just what makes him and what sets him apart, I think it is that extra dedication to keeping those vows about himself and the mantras that he wants to live by now that he's got this rebirth, if you will that he's doing everything within his power from a professional standpoint, from a personal standpoint, to be the best version of himself. And that's why when you listen, like, to the Dan Patrick show, like we heard there, he's talking about, like, just how I haven't reached my ceiling yet. I feel like there's more that I need to do to be able to peak. And just to think about that, it's pretty mind-blowing just to think about what else he can go and set out and accomplish. I mean, he might be on a mission for like 18 touchdowns this year. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love it. Heidi Fagg here with us on Raider Nation Radio, a part of our morning tailgate. And I I love some of those thoughts that he had in that presser, as well as on on the Rich Eisen show, looking at Devontae Adams and understanding that, you know, uh, Devontae's work ethic rivals his own. And I think uh, that is something that bodes really well this part of the year because you see Hunter Renfro getting contagious with it. Darren Waller is already there at that level. What is expected for those guys? You know, and you brought up, yeah. Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. <laughs> 